WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yes, that's me. Five o'clock. Good morning. It is Friday, February 23rd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Rain this morning. Clouds this afternoon. High 47. Saturday, sun and clouds. High 41. And then Sunday, mostly sunny. High 42. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 38 and raining in Dobbs Ferry up in Westchester County. 39 and raining in Woodbridge down in New Jersey, and we'll call it 41 in Misty outside our Midtown studios. A whole lot to get to as we work our way up 6 o'clock hours, Sid and friends in the morning. The big talk, of course, all day yesterday was people freaking out that their cell phones weren't working. The outage now we all know, or I shouldn't say we know now, that AT&T was the result of all these outages. Uh, There was a while where there was a thought that some of these other carriers were having issues, but it was all on AT&T. They still haven't told us exactly what has taken place. What they do say now is it was a tech problem, some sort of internal tech problem that stopped phones from working. And uh, there was a lot of times during the course of the day where people were just saying, hey, can you give us some sort of answer about what's taking place here? There wasn't much answer from anyone uh, about what was going on. Uh, we reached out a number of times to AT&T, did not hear back from them. Intelligence analyst John Miller, he now works for ABC. He was questioning this all day yesterday. The NYPD says that they're getting their calls into 911, including okay. from AT&T customers, but... That's what they know about. Yes. Yeah, so there was a while where there was a thought that people wouldn't be able to make their calls through to AT&T because the phones were in SOS mode. This all started right when we were on the air yesterday, about 5 a.m. For some people, it went all day long. And the issue I had, and I think a lot of people had, was why didn't AT&T just come out and tell us what was taking place? Or at least if they didn't know anything, tell us that we don't know anything of what's going on. Foreign governments have literally spent years incrementally trying to get further and further into critical infrastructure. Now, there's no indication that there is anything here that isn't technical, uh, but that always looms in the background. And, of course, everybody had that question. There was a thought maybe for a while yesterday that it had something to do with solar flares. But AT&T early this morning saying it's tech issues. Uh, they're not formally saying that, but people inside the company saying that they were racing around trying to figure out exactly what was going on. And there were tech issues. Uh, Hugh Odom is the founder and president of Vertical Consultants. Says there, He thought there was two reasons. This is what he was saying yesterday. One. Anyway is you have an overloading of the system. Usually that happens on a local situation where you have a, a city or an area that gets overloaded. But this is happening nationwide. The network has some issue with regards to overcapacity with regards to these 5G networks across the United States. Yeah, so uh, I don't know about you, but if you have kids in the family, I had kids, they were worried. They were reaching out to me yesterday worried if their phones were going to go down because some of their friends weren't working. And, you know, that would just be a complete nightmare for them. The uh, issue uh, big for AT&T, it came actually just interestingly enough as 
AT&T is petitioning the California Public Utilities Commission uh, on an application to get rid of landlines because they're too expensive to put in, too expensive to maintain. And just interesting that it's coming at the same time that cell phones weren't working. But I imagine we'll get more information as the day wears on. The good news is we're hearing everybody who has AT&T carrier service. The phones are back and working this morning. City Hall saying that they want more red light cameras. The Department of Transportation says the 30-year-old program, which is operating in 150 of the city's more than 13,000 intersections, which is about less than 1%. So now they want to increase red light cameras across the city, which, of course, None of us want. Red light cameras work. They prevent injuries. They prevent fatalities. They prevent car crashes. So then the question simply becomes, who wants to defend people's right to run red lights without being penalized? Nobody. It makes no sense. All right. That's State Senator Michael Giannaris. The agency wants to also push through legislation that would crack down on drivers who regularly run red lights. They would suspend registrations if they're caught flying through five red lights in one year. Uh, They're installing more cameras. They say it's not about uh, making, they claim that installing these red cameras are not about uh, making more money for the city. Who runs the red lights five times in one year? Maybe accidentally you pass when you're in a rush, whatever. Five times in one year, you are a dangerous driver. That car should not be on the streets, and the vehicle registration should be suspended. I think people would argue less than five times. If you run less than, you know, you get your license or your registration taken away from you. Again, they say this is not about making more money for the city. So there are red light cameras at less than 1% of intersections across the city. Now they want to increase it big time. But no, no, it's not about making money. The red light cameras, over time, revenue diminishes because many people learn to not do what they're not supposed to do. Come on. It's not about revenue. It's about keeping people alive. Okay. Whatever. 506, I was very sad to hear this. Mike Flaherty is the owner of Mike's Ice Cream in Secaucus. I've never talked about this place on the air because I don't want people going there because the lines get really long. (laughs) But... I'm sad to hear he's, he's unfortunately he's gravely ill and just a super guy has run Mike's ice cream for 40 years. This guy is really well known in Secaucus for that matter. The rest of Hudson County He's one of these guys. He is super into his ice cream. He knows everything about it. He has this flavor called coffee Nutella, which will run out by the end of the day. A lot of times. Oh, I mean, it's unbelievable. It is worth going to Mike's ice cream for that. And, but he's one of these guys bigger than that. He's a community guy. He's given so much back to the Secaucus community. He does fundraiser after fundraiser. When you go there, and almost like almost any time you go there, he's raising the money for some outside organization. And uh, I've gotten to know him well over the years. And I know he had diabetes, and apparently uh, things have gotten worse, and he's in grave condition now. They're raising money to help pay for his medical bills, which are just astronomical. As of yesterday, they were looking to raise 20000 This tells you what a big community guy he is. Uh, and they had already raised $25,000, and the number keeps going up. So anyway, sorry to hear about Mike. Uh, I, I'm hoping things will change if it doesn't sound real good for him. In the meantime, you can support him even just by going to I'm Not Steering You Wrong, I have nothing to do with the place, by the way. Mike's Ice Cream Caucus, you will thank me once you go there. WABC News Time 509, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. 
hitting back hard against the Arizona prosecutor who's refusing to extradite a man wanted for a murder in a Soho motel. Bragg says Maricopa County attorney Rachel Mitchell has gotten it wrong at every single turn. I've been doing this now for 20 years. I have never seen anything like it, let alone in a murder investigation. So Mitchell says the reason she doesn't want to send this suspect Rod Al-Masori back to New York is that Bragg has been too soft on crime and she's worried that he might set him free. County DA Mitchell has, I don't know how else to say it, just got it wrong at every single turn. No, it'll be interesting to see what happens in this case. My guess is he will be sent back to New York, but for the meantime, he's in Arizona. Down to Texas, a black student who's been suspended for his hairstyle has lost his lawsuit. Yesterday's ruling came despite pleas from lawmakers who feel this is blatant discrimination. He has dreadlocks. What kind of message do they send when they tell him that he should conform? Conform to what? to European standards, we're not going back. We're not going back to Jim Crow days of racism and discrimination. Look at his hair. It's very neat. This is beautiful. This is handsome. This is really neat. This school system outside of Houston arguing that they have this dress code in place and it includes hair. And they say Daryl George, this 18-year-old who's a junior there, has violated that. He spoke out after the ruling yesterday. It's my roots, you know. It's, it's how I feel closer to my people, how I feel closer to, the, to, the, to my ancestors. So the amazing thing, he's been out of class for about a month now. Well, all the fighting for the black history that we've already done, we still have to do this again and again and again. It's ridiculous. I started my dreams for a reason, and that's, that's just to feel close to my people. That's just to feel my, my ancestors. Now, there's been two other students who fought the school system and lost the same way he did. They ended up transferring to other school systems. Not clear what this junior in high school will do. 5-11, a major Alabama health system announcing it's going to pause all in vitro fertilization procedures in response to a recent Alabama Supreme Court ruling. The University of Alabama at Birmingham saying it's saddened as it evaluates the potential that our patients and physicians could be prosecuted criminally or face punitive damages. That's correspondent Laura Jarrett. The ruling handed down earlier this week categorized frozen embryos as children who are therefore protected under the state's wrongful death laws with respect to minors. Attorneys for the school are now evaluating the potential for doctors and patients in the IVF program being prosecuted or forced to pay damages in civil lawsuits as a result of it all. Frozen embryos with genetic abnormalities are routinely discarded as part of IVF before implant part of a process to help patients avoid miscarriages or other complications. Yeah, so now these people in Alabama are scrambling to figure out where they want to do their IVF treatments. Megan Cole planned to use a surrogate with a Friday implant, uh, implantation schedule, which has now been canceled. For it to be taken away, potentially in Alabama, is devastating for families who, you know, all they want is a child. 513, let's go down to Florida. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says he'll sign into law a bill that would allow the release of sealed grand jury records in Jeffrey Epstein's 2006 criminal case. The sex offender wound up in a work release program with the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office as a so-called sweetheart deal with prosecutors. The public and the victims deserve to know if prosecutors steered the jury away from indicting Epstein on more severe charges. There is also compelling public need to know if the system worked or 
failed. Yeah, we don't know what kind of information we'll get when these documents, if they are released. Epstein, of course, would later face a whole bunch more serious charges here in New York, where he died of an apparent suicide back in 2019 behind bars while awaiting trial. Down to Washington at 513, House Speaker Mike Johnson dismissing reports President Biden's considering taking executive action to address the surge of migrants crossing the U.S. southern border. Multiple reports claim Biden is looking at potential action to restrict migrants' ability to seek asylum in the U.S. Johnson said it was nothing more than election year gimmicks, noting that he has been calling on Biden for months to use his executive authority to secure the border. Johnson accused Biden of surrendering the border to cartels and smugglers and says the president has refused to use his authority to fix it. The speaker called on Biden to reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy and end what he called the administration's abuse of the parole system. I'm Lisa Taylor. Before we head out of here this morning, we'll tell you the story of some migrants here in the city who made it from the U.S.-Mexico border who are now involved in prostitution. We'll get to that before the morning is out. Uh, The first U.S. moon landing since 1972 was a success last night. Houston-based Intuitive Machines guided its Odysseus lander onto the moon Thursday. The lander will collect data needed by NASA, which is planning to land near the moon's south pole later this decade. It marks the first touchdown by a U.S.-built spacecraft since the Apollo 17 mission in 1972. Odysseus is expected to spend roughly a week gathering data before it loses power. I'm Mark Mayfield. WABC Newstime 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Friday. Good morning, Justin Ellick. Happy Friday. Good morning to you, Noam Ledin. I can't believe we've made it. This is a remarkable feeling Friday morning. It's been a long week. It's it's, it's, it's a blessing, you know. (laughs) you got to thank God sometimes. Let's return to the hardwood after the extended uh, all-star hiatus here. Meet the Knicks in Philadelphia, where they took care of the Sixers last night by a score of 110-96. to Jalen Brunson heard MVP chants each time the New York Knicks all-star stepped to the free throw line. The former Villanova All-American signed dozens of autographs before the game. Many for fans wearing his old college jersey. Brunson had 21 points and 12 assists, and the Knicks spoiled Kyle Lowry's Philadelphia debut in the process. Uh, Bogdanovich scored 22, Josh Hart had 18 and 12 rebounds, and Precious Achua added 18 points and 11 rebounds for the Knicks. New York made 18 of their 34. Three-pointers up north in Toronto. It's clear the All-Star break did little to fix a broken and lowly Brooklyn Nets team, opening their second half last night with a 121-93 loss to the Raptors and interim head coach Kevin Ollie's debut. Mikael Bridges led Brooklyn with 21 points. Uh, Cam Thomas scored 19 for the Nets, who has now lost uh, three straight and the six. Seven to the ice we go now, tying their longest winning streak in eight seasons, thrashing the rival New Jersey Devils, getting two goals from Alexi Lafreniere and another outstanding performance from goaltender Igor Shesterkin. The Rangers cruised to nine straight in the form of a 5-1 to victory in Newark last night. Chris Kreider and Vincent Trocek also scored for New York, and Artemi Panarin added three assists. Shesterkin registered 39 saves and picked up uh, his first assist of the season. A nice uh, off-the-boards pass there as the Rangers now move Within a win of tying their longest winning streak in franchise history, they won 10 straight twice in 72 to 73 season and 1939 to the 40 season. A year New York won the third of its four Stanley Cup titles. Out in St. Louis, the Islanders failed to show up against the Blues, getting blanked four to nothing last night. Simeon Varlamov made 21 saves for the Isles, who fell to one, two, and two in their last five games. And one quick note regarding sports coming up this morning. Noam, we're going to have the great Mike Piazza on the program. He's going to make his debut this morning at 9.15. His sitting friends in the morning debut. Get to talk to, uh, are you a Mets fan? Yeah, of course. So there you go. 
Big Mike Piazza. Yeah, can't wait. That's exciting. Uh, the great Mets catcher. We're looking forward to that one. That's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 519. Let's head out to the 2024 campaign for the White House. Former President Trump says the race between he and Nikki Haley was over like three months ago. Of course, tomorrow, the South Carolina primary. And she's here. She's down by 30, 35 points. And everybody knows her. You're not supposed to lose your home state. Shouldn't happen anyway. And she's losing it big, big. But Haley, who looks like she will lose badly in the primary tomorrow, is vowing to stay in the race, believing it's just not over yet. I'm willing to take the cuts, the bruises and the name calling, because the only way you get to the blessing is by going through the pain. So this is her argument. The former U.N. ambassador says that most Americans dislike both Trump and Biden. She says they're both too old, both have way too much baggage. People have a right to have their voices heard. And they deserve a real choice, not a Soviet-style election where there's only one candidate and he gets 99% of the vote. And she is uh, sounding a warning to her party today, saying young Republican voters are feeling squeezed out of the electoral process and could easily sit home next November and uh, hand the election to Democrats. Recently, a poll came out, this should shock everybody, that 58% of Gen Zers are not planning on voting in this election. And the only reason people don't vote is when they think no one's listening. And that's a problem. Yeah, so all the polls in South Carolina, uh, South Carolina rather, show a total Trump blowout tomorrow. The news no better comes Super Tuesday. But Haley insiders say she's holding on because she believes Trump could cave under the weight of all his lawsuits. 521, President Biden extending his condolences to the family of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. The president met with Navalny's widow and daughter in San Francisco on Thursday, less than a week after Navalny died in a Russian prison. Biden expressed admiration for Navalny's courage and legacy of fighting corruption in the Kremlin. The president has blamed Vladimir Putin for Navalny's death and plans to announce a major sanctions package Friday to hold Russia accountable. I'm Lisa Taylor. A Los Angeles woman still in Russia detained there after being accused of treason. Russian Federal Security Service released a clip this week of Ksenia Karolina blindfolded and handcuffed. And now her boyfriend, Chris, is speaking out. Her fate is out of my hands and, and I feel powerless. Yeah, Russian authorities allege the dual national citizen raised funds in support of Ukraine. The woman's employer in California says she was arrested after donating $51 to a Ukrainian charity. A Russian Officials also say the 33-year-old ballerina also took part in what they say public actions inside the U.S. in support of Ukraine. The punishment for treason in Russia, by the way, is up to 20 years behind bars. Hello, good morning, and no reply. And then a couple hours later, the dad picked up, spoke spoke Russian. I don't understand what, but immediately the moment we spoke, I, I could understand by the look and that. I was like... Oh, something's wrong. And here's the bad part. State Department says they can't probably do a whole lot about this. Matthew Miller warns it may be difficult to help her because she's a dual citizen. Russia's not recognized dual citizenship, uh, considers them to be Russian citizens first and foremost. And so oftentimes we have a difficult uh, time getting consular assistance, but we will pursue it uh, in all matters where a U.S. citizen is detained. And tomorrow marks two years since Russia attacked Ukraine. The United Nations says tens of thousands have died, millions displaced. When Russia dropped its first bomb, it was February 24th, 2022. Lots of groups here in the U.S. going to commemorate this day tomorrow. We have a moral duty to help Ukraine. In 1994, the United States signed the Budapest Memorandum. Random that stated that Ukraine 
in exchange for their nuclear weapons that, that the United States would would defend them. Yeah, so tomorrow, uh, rather I should say Saturday, whoa, that is tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, people can join an event to mark 730 days of the war. There's all these or commemorations and meetings of people all across the country tomorrow. While we're overseas, negotiations in Paris between Israel and the Palestinian terror group Hamas beginning to pick up some steam after the Israeli war cabinet agreed to send a delegation this week. An anonymous Western diplomat says it appears both sides want a ceasefire, willing to make concessions. Israel has said it will not agree to a pause in the fighting without a hostage deal. The latest casualty figures from the region estimate over 30,000 people have been killed. Over 82,000 have been injured since the war began in October. The overwhelming, of course, majority the both those figures or the figures there are coming from the Palestinians. Victims of the UK Post Office Horizon scandal going to be exonerated by a new law in London. Simon Gaitan says the scandal saw post office workers wrongly prosecuted as a result of faults in a computer system. Over 900 workers who ran post offices across the country were prosecuted and in many cases imprisoned falsely for stealing money. Money that was in fact miscounted as a result of faults in the Horizon computer system provided by Japanese tech company Fujitsu. Now the government has announced a new law they say will clear the names of the wrongly convicted postmasters by the end of July. Simon Gaitan, London. A San Jose bakery says Tesla has... uh is bad news for their business, has left them thousands of dollars in the hole. On Friday, February 14th, this bakery says Tesla ordered 4,000 mini pies for Black History Month, an event that they were going to do the following week. It felt like we didn't matter. Wait, oh, so I should point out. (laughs) <laughs> that uh, So they put this order in, Tesla, for these cakes, 4,000 mini pies for Black History Month. And then the next day, they texted them to say, well, we want to cancel that order. But it was already, they were already in the process of making these cakes. It felt like we didn't matter. Like, it felt like, okay, you know, like, uh, it's no big deal. It's just a business, you know, transaction that didn't out. Yeah, and they apparently canceled it all by text. The owner of the place giving pies says the catering contract was for $16,000. Ended up costing the small business that amount of money because now they they have to eat the profits. Tesla says they are in contact with the bakery, so maybe they're going to make good on it. The process now underway to bring the giant pandas back to San Diego. It's been five years since the pandas were in San Diego, and the permit and evaluation process now underway to bring them back as soon as this year. For San Diego, I mean, it means we get the iconic bear back. It's been a symbol of the zoo and a symbol of our conservation efforts worldwide for such a long time. You know, so many people in San Diego grew up as kids learning about conservation because of the presence of such a unique animal right in their backyard. Yeah, so apparently they're in negotiations with China to get those pandas to the zoo. A San Francisco woman warning people of a scam that's targeting families all over the country who put up ads for their missing pets. Lydia Creighton says her dog got loose in San Francisco. They took to social media to find the dog and then she received a call what appeared to be from a city-run shelter. And that she was brought in by a good Samaritan. They have to do an open procedure and we have to pay a deposit 
in order for her to start the procedure. Yes, so they were told they had the dog, this shelter. It wasn't a shelter. And they'd have to give them a whole bunch of money through Cash App or Venmo. This woman was smart enough to sniff out a scam because it was a scam. Fortunately, they called us to check. We didn't have the animal, and we can assure you that your local shelter, even if they have your animal, is not going to call you over the phone and ask you for money. Yeah, but apparently a lot of people getting these calls when they put up those missing pets ads. The opening bell, it rings this morning as Wall Street prepares to wrap up an abbreviated trading week. At yesterday's close, the Dow gained 456 points. S&P 500 rose 105. The Nasdaq picked up 460 points. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noam Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noam on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 531. Good morning. It is Friday, February 23rd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Rain this morning, clouds this afternoon, high 47. The rest of the weekend looks like this. This Saturday, sun and clouds, high 41. Sunday, mostly sunny, high 42. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 38 raining in Dobbs Ferry up in Westchester County. 39 and raining in Woodbridge down in New Jersey. And it is 41 and I guess kind of misty outside our Midtown studios. We'll start this half hour right here in the cities. We get to hear more stories of human trafficking among the migrant population that has moved here from the U.S.-Mexico border. CBS doing a pretty good job on this story yesterday, talking to my Migrants who have made it here who are watching other migrants give their bodies over to make money. In fact, there's a, a hotel, the Crown Plaza Hotel in Jamaica, Queens, where apparently cars pull up almost every night around 5 or 6 o'clock in the evening. Women get into those cars and then return the following morning at 5 a.m., in some cases leaving their kids alone in hotel rooms in the middle of the night to meet strange men. It's very sad because you can hear the children crying. Most of the time it's because they are hungry, because there isn't someone responsible with them. This woman works with people who have been trafficked. They're taken to the job sites. They're promised one thing, but they're not given that. Some of them are abused um, physically or sexually. Homeland Security telling us they're all over this. Uh, federal agents with Homeland Security focused on rescuing some of these victims, finding who's behind trafficking these women. Trafficking is occurring right now here in New York in all five boroughs and the surrounding area. There is a young migrant woman from Queens who was forced under the threat of deportation from her traffickers. She was driven upstate on a daily basis to have sex with anywhere between 40 and 60 men. Yeah, and arrests, thankfully, were made in that case. But the challenge for law enforcement is getting victims to speak up and report these heinous crimes. Because of the trauma and the threats of violence to the person and or the families, Victims and survivors don't necessarily come forward. Yeah, and we're telling, uh, being told that City Hall Mayor Adams know about this. They have teams apparently at some of these shelters offering education and resources for these women. In a move that local officials say was done to battle so-called bullying, along Island County, Nassau County, banning transgender athletes from competing in women and girls sports at their facilities. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman making this announcement press conference yesterday. It'll oh, by take... the way, let me just stop you for one second. Mm-hmm. Bruce Blakeman, the aforementioned Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman, 
set to join me at 8.15 this oh, morning. Okay, you can hear all of it all from Bruce himself. In the meantime, I can give you the background. It's going to take effect immediately. He had former athletes by his side as he made this announcement yesterday. This is a matter that concerns the integrity, the fairness, and the safety of women's sports. It's wrong. And it's a form of bullying. The executive order bans transgender athletes from competing against girls at all 100 sports facilities run by Nassau County, including ball fields and ice rinks. It is the first ban on transgender participation in sports on a countywide level in the nation. Now, there was this interesting moment at this press conference yesterday. Maybe Sid can ask Bruce about this later this morning. The reporters asked him, hey, can you give us an example of bullying or where men who are transgender women have taken part in sports in Nassau County? And he could not come up with an example. Neither could the head of high school sports in the county, who says he was surprised by this move. No complaints. No complaints. And I'm not even sure if there are any. Yeah, so protesters outside the county office building yesterday condemning Blakeman's action as illegal, discriminatory, and unnecessary. They accused Blakeman of playing politics with the lives of transgender kids. These are just kids. Kids who want to play sports. Kids who want to make friends. We lose learning about each other and how to become closer. They think it sends a message to trans kids that they don't belong. Yes, so now a legal challenge is expected, but Blakeman is unapologetic, believes his executive order will withstand any legal test. And again, as you heard from Sid, 815 this morning, you can hear uh, Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman right here on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 538, a war-wounded little boy from Gaza, now in a hospital on Staten Island, recovering from a bunch of physical injuries. Omar Abawak, his house was destroyed from a missile, his whole family buried under the rubble. He lost most of his arm, suffered severe burns when this missile struck and destroyed his home in Gaza. He lost his parents, grandparents, and sister that day. Now, somehow, he survived. So a group called Global Medical Relief Fund managed to get him and his aunt, his only surviving relative, first to Egypt and now to Richmond University Medical Center on Staten Island. His whole family were buried under the rubble. Omar had a blast injury toward the left side of his face um, during an explosion in Gaza, and he was known to have a perforated or a hole in his eardrum. So he looks to be Doing pretty good. Richmond University Hospital. His hearing is improving. He was fitted for a prosthetic arm, but there's a whole lot apparently more to heal. He does still struggle with some trauma-associated triggers, uh, sleep issues, um, startle responses, um, outbursts at times, some panic attack that has actually been improved. He really doesn't talk about his family. Uh, so the avoidance part is still there. The people working with him, the doctors, the Global Medical Relief Fund say uh, he's been amazing to be with. Having the opportunity to take care of this young little boy is something that's very, very special uh, for all of us. You know, here's the tough part. They were going to send him back to Gaza. Uh, because that's where he lives when his therapy is finished. Several people in custody after a 17-year-old stabbed during a dispute in Times Square last night. It's become really violent in Times Square. Officers responding to 42nd Street, the stabbing, this is about 5.30. They found this 17-year-old stab wound to his lower back. Police say he, the victim and somebody else got into a fight prior to the slicing. I saw someone running and his uh, cops uh, follow him. And someone of the cops uh, jump 
and they catch him. So he was taken to uh, Bellevue Hospital, stable condition. Of course, question is, is this another issue of migrants fighting? We haven't gotten confirmed word on it, but it looks like it is. Seven persons of interest taken into custody. Police looking for 10 more males connected to the stabbing last night. I, I scared. Because I see someone with blood from everywhere from in the back. Something is bad. And there's a guy coming with a big uh, knife. You saw the knife? Yeah, I saw it was a knife. It's very big. Yeah, so uh, there was another incident in Times Square just two hours later. Uh, also, right nearby, about 725, a 28-year-old man assaulted during a verbal dispute outside the Hard Rock Cafe. That's uh, right there on Friday, uh, on Broadway, rather. They say the man was punched and kicked in the face and in the head. Uh, he's going to be okay. Police have made some arrests. Not clear if those two incidents are related to each other. There is more fallout following the funeral of a transgender activists at St. Patrick's Cathedral last week. Protesters were rallying on the steps of City Hall, demanding an apology from the Archdiocese of New York for cutting Cecilia Gentili's funeral short with more than a thousand people inside the cathedral that day. This took place last week. We were mourning. We were in grief. We just lost an amazing icon pioneer in our community. But how dare you scream this blasphemy? How dare you attack us? The archdiocese pushing back against that, saying that they never would have allowed this funeral to take place, if knowing that it was for a transgender. Meanwhile, Cardinal Timothy Dolan, speaking on the Sirius XM Catholic Channel, says he supports the cathedral's decision. He wasn't there that day to end this church service, this funeral, early like they did. 542, let's go out to New Jersey. Congressman Josh Gottheimer continues to fight back against the MTA's congestion pricing plan. The Democrat calling for transparency from the MTA. Specifically, how much will they raise from this new tax on the backs of hardworking commuters and Jersey families? Now, Gottheimer claims the agency's ignoring his freedom of information request because they're on track to make billions of dollars more than they need. Gottheimer calls the MTA mismanaged. He says they should clean up their own mess and not make commuters pay for it all. We believe, based on all the publicly available facts, that they will raise $3.4 billion, more than three times what they need. At that annual revenue level, the MTA wouldn't need a nickel from Jersey. Now, I don't know if you've been following the story. I don't know how you miss it, but uh, 15 bucks a day to enter Manhattan below 60th Street. That's what the MTA wants to do. The transponders, they're up everywhere. There's one outside of Bloomingdale's here on the east side. Uh, if you come out of any of the tunnels, there's transponders there ready to take your 15 bucks. And Congressman Gottheimer says that we shouldn't fill this bottomless pit of wasteful management by the MTA. It's a bottomless pit of wasteful spending with no transparency. And it's no wonder the MTA feels the need to find new revenue sources to fund their legendary mismanagement and overruns. Now, if you listen to uh, all those bites, it sounds like it's a done deal. And he's uh, mad and angry that it's going to happen. But it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot he can do. Specifically, how much will they raise from this new tax on the backs of hardworking commuters and Jersey families. Right. You hear him there. It's, he sounds like it's, you know, he's not going to win this battle, these lawsuits to stop it. And he says um, it's going to cause pollution in New Jersey. It's going to produce massive amounts of new pollution in northern New Jersey and the outer boroughs from these trucks billowing out cancer causing pollution. Yeah. So uh, it looks like it's a done deal. Whether these lawsuits will stop it in its tracks, doubtful. Will it delay it? Maybe. A South school, uh, South Jersey school district limiting 
Chromebook usage so students get more sleep. Reaction from parents, uh, mixed, especially those whose kids have a busy extracurricular schedule or other responsibilities. I think that that's very smart. He was on the laptop all night, so now he couldn't wake up. What are they supposed to do? Not do their work? Yes, so this is in Deptford Township where they will disable school-issued Chromebooks at night, so you won't be able to use it. The school superintendent proposing an 8 p.m. cutoff for lower school kids, 9 p.m. for middle schoolers, and 10 p.m. for high school students. Sleep experts say studies show that screen time close to bed affects melatonin levels and the ability to fall asleep easily, and they say these kids need their sleep, so those computers will go off starting at 8 p.m., at night, which is interesting to see if they'll get this through. It sounds like it's kind of a done deal. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellett. Thank you, Noam Layden. We'll turn to the hardwood after uh, that extended all-star hiatus and meet the Knicks in Philly where they took care of the Sixers last night by a score of 110-96. to Jalen Brunson on the road here for an MVP chance each time the Knicks all-star stepped to the free throw line. The former Villanova All-American signed dozens of autographs before the game for that Philly crowd. Many for fans wearing his old college jersey. Brunson had 21 points and 12 assists. And the Knicks spoiled Kyle Lowry's Philadelphia debut in the process. Uh, Bogdanovich scored 22 points. Josh Hart had 18 and 12 rebounds. And Precious Ottawa added 18 points and 11 rebounds for the Knicks. New York made 18 of 34 three-pointers. Up north in Toronto, it's clear the All-Star break did little to fix a broken and lowly Brooklyn Nets team, opening their second half last night with a 121-93 loss to the Raptors in interim head coach Kevin Ollie's debut. Mikael Bridges led Brooklyn with 21 points. Cam Thomas scored 19 for the Nets, who has now lost three straight and six of seven. To the ice we go now, tying their longest winning streak in eight seasons, thrashing the rival New Jersey Devils, getting two goals from Alexi Lafreniere and another outstanding performance from goaltender Igor Shosturkin. The Rangers cruised to nine straight W's in the form of a 5-1 victory in Newark last night. Chris Kreider and Vincent Trocek also scored for New York and Artemi Panarin added three assists. Shosturkin registered 39 saves and picked up his first assist of the season as the Rangers now move within a win of tying their longest winning streak in franchise history. They won 10 straight twice in 1972-73 to and 1939-40 to a year. New York won the third of its four Stanley Cup titles out in St. Louis. The Islanders failed to show up against the Blues, getting blanked four to nothing last night. Semyon Varlamov made 21 saves for the Isles, who fell to one, two, and two in their last five games. Once again, no, I got a promote coming up here today at 9:15. The great Mike Piazza. But I just want to make a quick correction from my last report. This is not his debut on the program. He was on for uh, we did that Italian uh, nationality Independence Day or whatever it was uh, way back when. Piazza, oh, I remember yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> Whatever we called it. Piazza was on uh, for that day as well. So this is uh, either his second or third appearance on the program. All right, Looking forward to that at 9.15. That is your Sports Gnome and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning. AT&T says those widespread outages that lasted most of the day yesterday are all fixed. It was hard to even dial 911. People getting SOS on their phones. Lots of questions about what exactly took place. The NYPD says that they're getting their calls into 911, including okay. from AT&T customers, but 
That's what they know about. That's intelligence analyst John Miller, who, of course, was uh, with the NYPD for so many years. He was asking the question yesterday over at ABC why we had so little information during the course of the day about what was actually taking place. So if you had AT&T as your carrier and it was exclusively AT&T problem and none of the other carriers had those issues yesterday, how come they didn't come out during the day and just say either we know what's going on or we don't know what's going on? This is a 24-hour-a-day service, uh, and it's a 24-hour-a-day problem. Uh, They need to have a a 24-hour-a-day public posture to respond. It was really shocking that we were getting no answers yesterday. So were we hacked? Uh, Was it solar flares? Everybody was coming up with their own theory because AT&T wasn't giving us one. They could even come out and said, hey, we don't know what's going on, but we're trying to fix the problem. At least that would have been some sort of answer. Foreign governments have literally spent years incrementally trying to get further and further into critical infrastructure. Now, there's no indication that there is anything here that isn't technical, uh, but that always looms in the background. Yeah, of course. So that was the thought was maybe it had been a hack from overseas. Insiders at AT&T telling us it was a tech issue and it took a while to fix. But again, uh, got to be clear, transparent during the course of the emergency so your customers know what's going on. Verizon, T-Mobile say they were not affected. That was the initial uh, word is that they were having problems too, but it was actually people having problems on Verizon and T-Mobile connecting with AT&T customers. Now, we've been told it's all fixed. We haven't heard from anybody who's still having issues this morning, but AT&T, no doubt, has a lot of explaining to do. City Hall wants to put up more red light cameras. Isn't that nice? Department of Transportation says the 30-year-old program is operating at 150 of the city's more than 13,000 intersections, which works out to about less than 1% of intersections across the city. And now they want to increase that number big time. Here's State Senator Michael Giannaris. Red light cameras work. They prevent injuries. They prevent fatalities. They prevent car crashes. So then the question simply becomes, who wants to defend people's right to run red lights without being penalized? Nobody. It makes no sense. You know, those red light cameras, especially when you're warned that there's one coming up, you kind of don't know what to do. Do you the yellow light? Do you speed through it? Do you stop? I feel that sometimes you feel like there's more accidents by trying to figure out how to figure out the red light. A part of this legislation is they want to crack down on drivers who run red lights, suspending registrations if they're caught flying through five red lights in one year. And here's what they had to say. Who runs the red lights five times in one year? Maybe That's accidentally you pass when you're in a rush, whatever. Five times in one year, yeah. you are a dangerous driver. That car should not be on the streets, and the vehicle registration should be suspended. Yeah, I don't think anybody would argue with that. Here's the argument is, are these cameras about making the city more money? Because the city's always desperately in need of more money. <laughs> and Assemblyman Jeffrey Dinowitz is trying to convince us all that it's not about making money. The red light cameras, over time, revenue diminishes because many people learn okay. to not do what they're not supposed to do. It's not about revenue. It's about keeping people alive. Yeah, I don't think anybody buys that, Jeffrey. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg hitting back at the Arizona prosecutor who is refusing to extradite the man wanted in the murder of a woman inside a Soho motel. Bragg says Maricopa County Attorney Rachel Mitchell has gotten it wrong at every single turn. Now, the reason she says she's holding on to this suspect is she says that Bragg has gone soft on crime and she's afraid he'll release him on bail. I've been doing this now for 20 years. 
I have never seen anything like it, let alone in a murder investigation. So this wanted creep, I mean, he's in custody. I guess he's not wanted anymore. This creep, Rod Almansori, is accused of stabbing two women in the Phoenix area, as well as killing that woman at the Soho 54 Motel. Mitchell, again, says she thinks it's safer to keep him in Arizona, but Bragg says no. He'll get what he was, deserves if he comes back to New York. County DA Mitchell has, I don't know how else to say it, just got it wrong at every single turn. All right, let's go down to Alabama with this big Supreme Court ruling, a major Alabama health system now announcing it's going to pause all in vitro fertilization procedures in response to an Alabama Supreme Court ruling. The University of Alabama at Birmingham saying it's saddened as it evaluates the potential that our patients and physicians could be prosecuted criminally or face punitive damages. The correspondent, Laura Jarrett, there. So this ruling handed down earlier this week categorizes frozen embryos as children who are therefore protected under the state's wrongful death laws with respect to minors. Attorneys for those uh, are now evaluating the potential for donors and patients in the IVF program being prosecuted or forced to pay damages in civil lawsuits as a result of the ruling. So now you have these doctors who normally do these treatments don't necessarily want to do them because they don't know what's going to happen to them. Frozen embryos with genetic abnormalities are routinely discarded as part of IVF before implantation. Part of a process to help patients avoid miscarriages or other complications. Megan Cole, one of the patients who is ready to uh, get an implantation today, but it's been called off now. For it to be taken away, potentially in Alabama, is devastating for families who, you know, all they want is a child. All right, let's bring it back home. Residents, luxury store workers really concerned about their safety following this week's armed robbery of a Gucci store in the meatpacking district. This happened in the middle of the day. Here's some a woman who works at a high-end store on Bleecker Street. We had designer items and people would come in and just take it off the shelves and walk out all the time. Yes, yeah, so you have lots of people who are saying maybe they've got to put these doorbells. Remember that was a big thing? You'd have to push the doorbell and they let you in. More stores thinking about doing things like that. A kind of mobile shoplifting and just you're in and you're out, but... Um, when um, they're brandishing weapons, that takes it to a whole other level. Yeah, really frightening those uh, crooks who walked into the Gucci store in the meatpacking district on Monday afternoon, got off with $50,000 worth of items. So far, uh, they have not caught up with them. The Fulton Hot Dog King. Do you know this guy? He's this guy that makes these great hot dogs. Um they kind of snap when you bite into them. Don't think like, you know, not crunchy, but like the perfect kind of snap for a hot dog. Well, he lost his lease. So the doors are closed today. The landlord wanted too much money. This hot dog place has been in Brooklyn for 100 years. 100 years. It's the community that kept this place running and we're going to keep it pushing. We're going to keep it moving, you know. So they're trying to find a new location. But in the meantime, of course, they're losing all kinds of money, not being able to serve up the hot dogs. They say they want to be in the old location because everybody knows them from being there. And uh, so they're petitioning to anybody to see if they can help work out a deal with the landlord. They say it's not a matter of they haven't paid rent. It's just a matter of the landlord wants too much rent. Without you guys, we are nothing. With you guys, we are something. And no matter where we are, We will always make sure that we provide that love, that good food, that good service and stuff. And we like, again, you know, we'll make sure that we keep that flame glowing high. Yeah, Fulton Hot Dog, you know, it's like the late night place. After you've been bar hopping, you might stop for a bunch of hot dogs, even if you're not. It's one of those places that has the papaya drinks and stuff like that anyway. 
out of business for now, but they say they promise they will be back. Not if that location at a new one in Brooklyn. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.